Hi, this is Josh. And this is Chris, and this is K-12 Tech Talk. In this episode, we introduce ourselves, since this is episode one, we talk about smart technology making it into schools, and we briefly talk about a conference in the Midwest for K-12s that is purely a tech conference that might be of interest. Have a listen. Hi, and welcome to our inaugural episode of K-12 Tech Talk with Chris and Josh. I'm Josh, and you are? Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, uh, not much. We just had a, had a nice holiday break, right? We're in the midst of our holiday break. A little bit of background. I have 20, almost 20 years of IT experience, which is crazy to think that. The last five or six years, I've been in K-12. Um, and Chris, if you want to introduce your, yourself. Yeah, so I've been working for a school district uh, technology department for pushing 15 years. Wow. You're almost as old as me. I know. Not uh, quite, though. So Chris and I met years ago at a conference, uh, a K-12 tech conference here in Missouri. Uh, we've kept in contact. We live less than, what, 30 minutes from each other. Yep. Um, we work on another project together. Uh, it was called Mo Tech Talk. Uh, it's a technical conference for K-12 districts in the state of Missouri. We are expanding our footprint and are rebranding to Midwest Tech Talk, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, so Chris and I, we could call each other friends, right? We're not I think like, so. Yeah, we're not sworn enemies or anything like that. A little more than colleagues. Right, yeah, and not BFFs. So, um, But we do communicate on a regular basis about common themes in K-12 tech. You know, what, what I'm seeing, Chris is seeing, what common problems that we're having or new, new technology coming into our environment, Chris is seeing and we have other colleagues that are seeing the same thing. And we thought, I, I did a search a couple weeks ago for podcasts um, that kind of cover this realm of topic and I really couldn't find anything. So I brought up the idea to Chris and he was already kind of thinking about the same type of podcast. So that's what led us to this experiment, I guess you could call it. Um, our goal is to have a semi-frequent weekly, if not every other week, podcast of anywhere from uh, 30 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on the topic. We are also going to, at times, bring in special guests. We have contacts that work at other districts, ranging, I think, we have about, what, 3,000 kids. You guys, are you about the same? 2,000. Um, we have colleagues uh, around the state that have volunteered to come on the podcast and share topics and banter back and forth, ranging from this two to 3,000 to I think some of the bigger ones are 14,000 students. So we, we'll, we'll be able to see a really good cross-section of problems that other districts are seeing. And, and when it comes down to it, we're seeing the same problems regardless of size of district. I don't, I, do, you, do you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, and you know, for uh, for years we've had like that tech group that meets in our area, uh, and and it's a bunch of tech departments that get together and we talk about what's going on. And it doesn't seem to matter our size; uh, the same problems are the same problems in K twelve. So uh, we kind of wanted to bring that up to the next level to to reach out to more people to talk to more people about what's going on. Yeah, and I think you know you we're both in Missouri on the eastern side of the state, so. Um, I, I don't think this is, is a state boundary issue. I think um, districts across the country are likely seeing the same trends and problems that we're seeing. So, Chris, on, on one of the things that you wanted to talk about today was, you know, smart homes are, are big topics. 
uh, or, or the hot thing right now. I, I do a radio show once a week and every week I get a phone call from a listener about either Wi-Fi problems or smart home, smart TV type discussions. Are you, do you have a smart home yet, Chris? Do you have something in your house? I don't. And thanks for uh, reminding me that I'm without a home. Uh, oh, we are yeah. currently yeah. building. Yeah. Uh, but that's been one of the things, of course, we're building a new home. So I keep watching uh, YouTube videos and I keep looking at articles about smart homes. So are you like, you have a Google home, an Amazon home? What yeah. Do you, what, what do you go for? So we are a Google assistant uh, house. I, I'm heavily invested in the Android environment and Google. And we have a Google home, a couple Google home minis. We've got smart light switches. We've got smart plugs. It's pretty ridiculous. I was talking about this on my radio show one day and giving the example command to, you know, turn all the lights on. Right. And Jack, my son Jackson was at home and he was, and all of the lights in the house were going off and on as I was talking about it on the radio. So it's, it's funny. It's definitely has an application in a home environment. And I don't know. I mean, I understand the want to bring this into the school environment or into a school setting. But I don't know if it's uh, if it's ready yet. What are your thoughts on that? Right. Uh, so we were about a year into uh, doing like automatic doors, uh, where the doors unlock every morning and then at the end of the school day, and then throughout the day, like at the high school, like the kids that have to come and go, they can use their lunch pens. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's about as smart as our doors are, and you know that that that's cause for a new tech issue. Uh, because now we support doors and we right. kind of laugh about that because I mean, it's a door. I, I know nothing about a door. Like I just use doors. Right. So, yeah. So now when there's door problems, they're expecting the tech department to show up to fix the thing. Yeah. And we've had badge in type systems, you know, the, the, all it is is an RFID reader on the door jam that, that reads a badge and it unlocks the door based on your, your access profile. Yeah. And I, we're doing the same thing as you, where at certain times in the morning during drop-off times, our main entrance doors are open and then they automatically lock, you know, when about 15 minutes before school starts. So you have to have a badge to get in the building during the normal hours of the day. Even then, you're forced into our main offices because the vestibule is kind of a locked vestibule. So you have to go into the main office before you're allowed into the main part of the building, which that was a change about, I guess, four years ago here, we redid all of our main entrances to this type of, they've got a door, for lack of a better term, a smart doorbell right. on the outside of the building where a visitor hits the button and there's a camera and it alerts the secretary. The secretary has a console at her machine that has a, I don't know, maybe a two inch LCD display on it. And she sees a live, a live picture of who's at the door and then can buzz them in based on whether or not they need access to the building. So really, when you think about it, those types of doorbells, I think the, the one that we have is an A-phone, A-I-P-H-O-N-E. I hate the things. That's really the precursor to the ring and the, and the net. I mean, it's the same thing as the Nest and the ring doorbells. I mean, when you yeah. think about it. That's the same kind that, that we have at some of our buildings. What about like uh, HVAC stuff? Do you guys have well, like web access to that or, or how? We are... We've had it. Uh, it's, I think it's been not a good experience. The product wasn't the best. We are in the process of redoing um, some of our HVAC and we're getting a new 
I don't know if you want to call it smart, but web-enabled, uh, schedule-based type HVA control systems. Have you guys done that yet? Yeah, so we use, I know our maintenance department uses Train uh, for some of their stuff. Uh, and that was a big deal, I guess, about a year ago uh, where Train came in and told us to really limit, you know, what ports uh, can be accessed oh, and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, IP address and all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I guess they were getting worried about, I mean, like my, my main maintenance guy, he wants to be at home right. uh, or be on the road and be able to adjust, you know, a classroom's temperature. Uh, but train basically said that we needed to change how that would work. Uh, yeah. So we set him up with a laptop uh, that he was going to remote into a computer within the district and then get into that, that system. And that, that kind of jumped so, through some hoops. Yeah. That brings up a topic that, I'm sure it could be its own show. And we have some other cohorts in our realm that have lived through something like this. But um, if you read or do much research in, in that type of realm, uh, HVAC systems have been a very popular way for, we'll just say bad guys, to get in and initiate an infection or ransomware type of attack in districts. Um, and it and it seems like the ones that I've read about where they are able to figure out where it originated, it comes from HVAC systems. Um, and it's just one of them that, that I talked to a director in the Western side of the state this fall. It, it happened because it was an always on VPN to their HVAC control box that was running oh. windows. A device at the HVAC company became infected and use the VPN to jump across to the school district's network and then start encrypting everything in the school district's network. So when you have those type of always on, always open type connections, and, and that can even be a VPN to a support company, you're, you're exposing a bit of your network to a very, very real risk, i.e. ransomware or virus infection. Yeah, I think too, well, like my doors comment, like I kind of blow off doors yeah. But the reality is that that door is connected to my network now. Right. So I still write it off because I think it's baloney that I'm working on a door, but that door should just be as high of a priority as my servers. Well, and, and in actuality, I don't know how much you've gone into either restricting or subnetting off those doors. I mean, if you really wanted to take a security stature and say, these doors, even though they're a dumb IP device that really does nothing, they in actuality should at least have an ACL applied to them or a port restriction applied to them that they can only get to one or two devices on your network. They don't have free reign to kind of kind of discover your network and then start poking desktops and every server on your server VLAN. Um, right. So that, that it's definitely a change in thought for that security stance inside your network on the inside which is scary to think about really. Right. Um, do you have, are do you have smart lights too? You know, we had those lights that just as people come and go into the room, you know, lights come on, come off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but it's nothing tied to our network. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think we have any lights on our network. Now, obviously you have security cameras. Um, you guys have a centralized DVR at your we, place. We do not. We actually have a school district bond issue coming up. So, so hopefully, uh, with that, we'll get a bunch of systems replaced that are, you know, just building level. Cause that's, oh, the big, okay. that, that's the big goal, right? Is to do it all from the district standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a similar boat. We've, we've had 
camera systems for years predate me. Like I said, I've been here about six years. Um, and it's about time. Mo a good chunk of those cameras are still old analog cameras. Um, that's, what, that's, so, that's what we have too. Yeah. And, you know, depending on what systems you go with, man, you can, you can spend as much as you want to spend on a new IP based camera system. You know, do you go, is 1080p good enough or do you go 4k? You know, what do you, what do you do? Remote access is another, do you give remote access to the local police department? Do you not? Is right. that a, is that a FERPA discussion? Is that a privacy discussion that has to be had? Um, I know one of our, one of our big things with, with security systems uh, is that our district doesn't have a budget line dedicated for like replacing cameras. So yeah. like if I have a building uh, that, has a camera that died that basically comes out of the same budget line, you know, where I replace smart boards. And that's yeah. like a decision that I, sh I feel like I shouldn't have to make. Like I'm right. picking between a camera and a smart board, you know? So one of the big things going forward, we're trying to do is to do like a, basically like a four year rotation plan with security right. cameras and stuff, just some kind of budget line established for cameras and for DVRs that's separate from <laughs> the budget for uh, classroom technology. Yeah, and you know, that, that brings up a really interesting conversation that we've had several times here recently. Um, we're we're kind of stuck in that discussion with smart boards. So we, we purchased a smart board for every classroom, uh, say roughly 175 to 200 classrooms. Um, before I was here, it was with ERA money back during the, I believe it was Obama administration, where yep. they gave school districts a chunk of money and said, here, go spend this capital money um so we went out and bought smart boards with it or the the district at the time i wasn't here well now those devices are anywhere from nine to 13 years old and starting to fail they need to be replaced so the discussion that we're having is how do we go about and replace these devices in a timely manner because you know budget constra budget constraints new new devices are anywhere they're not smart boards anymore they're interactive displays or you know, so that's a whole other discussion. What do you what do you go with? Do you go with just a projector? Do you go with a I'm able to cast from my laptop to a projector that projects it on the wall? Do you go with an inter interactive board? And that's I think the direction we're taking is going with an interactive display. And those are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. So the the hurdle that we have now is how do we go about replacing equipment that was all purchased at one time? And it's all starting to fail at one time, but we do it under a budget where we can maybe only replace 15 to 20 a year. So now right, instead right. of doing a big bang deployment, we're back into a cyclical type deployment and that the hurdles that go along with that. Um, have you, have you gotten bit by that bug yet? Yeah. So like we have one building, it was for sure that same uh, uh, funding that you were talking about. Uh, where the whole building has the exact same smart board model. So they're just drop, like when they drop, they drop like flies together. You know, right. you can kind of tell that this hallway must have been at the same time yep. and then not too much time will pass and it's a different hallway. So yep. we have, I mean, we do have a budget line for each building uh, and that's been for a couple years established to replace some smart boards every year. But every single time too, like you said, we have this great discussion on, can we ditch the smart board? Uh, can we just go with an interactive projector? Right. Uh, we, we, we keep coming back around to just the smart board. Uh, 
that's even opened up the discussion on if we could ditch, you know, the Windows PC for right. just using the Chromebook. Yeah. But we keep landing on, I guess we're resisting change. We keep landing on smart boards uh, and, and keeping the Windows computer in there. I, I guess I'm kind of waiting. And I, I think there is something new that I saw at a conference uh, I recently went to. I, I keep waiting for smart to like come up with the solution that doesn't require Windows. And yeah. Because our teachers well, are so invested into smart stuff. Yeah, and, and we are in the exact same boat. So I, I will say that that was a we had a we have a tech committee here that meets every other month or so, and and this has been a discussion for the better part of a year now. Is what are we doing with these old smart boards? Um, and 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 to preface that, to be a little bit more detailed, it's not the smart boards that are dying; it's the projectors, and that's an easy fix. It's a five hundred dollar replacement, less than thirty minutes worth of work. But realistically, the boards are going to fail at some point as well. Right. So to, to echo your, your comment, our, our tech committee said, you can't leave smart. We, we've spent nine years, 13 years living in that smart notebook environment. We've built lesson plans. We've built daily agenda, you know, calendar time, circle time. It's all, it all revolves around on the smart board um, and in smart notebook. And if we tried to leave smart notebook, there would be pitchforks and I mean, it would be bad. I would have people coming to my office daily complaining about that. So that's, that's the big reason that we have kind of stayed in that smart realm and are looking at the smart product of their interactive board. And I'll tell you, they're, they're slick, man. They come built in with an Android type device where now smart notebook is web-based. So you can build a lesson plan on your computer through Smart Notebook's web interface platform. It all gets saved to Smart Notebook in the cloud or whatever. I'm not 100% sure what these titles are, names are. And then to get it on the board, you have a URL or a code that you type in the Android device and it automatically pulls down your Smart Notebook file. There's no real need anymore to be directly connected to the PC via USB cable or via VGA cable or HDMI, if you wanted to, that board can run completely independent of the PC, which is, in my opinion, a pretty big game changer. I mean, because right. we, we, our, our layout in rooms is kind of dictated and restricted by location of PC to smart board. I mean, that, that's huge. It sounds awesome. It just sounds expensive. It's very expensive. I, it, and I don't think this is the the environment to talk about pricing, but um, it is <laughs> it is not cheap to say the least. Um, and and that's that's the cost of doing business. I understand that it's just something that we have to plan better as tech directors and get our administrators, our bosses, in that realm, in that thought process of a cyclical type change process or a cyclical replacement process. And that yeah, that's not just for smart boards. I mean, you know. Chromebooks, you've got a shelf life of what, three years, four years in, in real use? Yeah, we do three years. Yeah. And how long have you been one-to-one? -one? Oh, so let's see. High school, I guess this is our sixth year, I think. Yeah, okay. So next year will be our seventh because we're looking at Chromebooks again for next school year already. And we did yeah, well, a three-year rotation okay. plan on each of them. Okay, we went one-to-one. -one. This is our second year one-to-one -one 
um, seven through twelve, and <clears throat> I will I will be the first person to admit that uh, I picked the wrong product. I picked the wrong Chromebook to go one to one with. Um, I will happily say the Lenovo 100e is trash. Maybe um, you had a bad batch. All sixteen hundred you know? of them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was right. just a bad day at the factory. Yeah, and that's probably true. Twelve percent failure rate. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but anyway, and, that's a whole other I'm, episode. I'm a that's Lenovo, a, I, I was gonna say I'm a Lenovo fan. I am not. We have three hundred E's. We have N21s and N23s. We're a Lenovo self maintainer. Yeah, which means that we get to fix our own Chromebooks under warranty, and they pay us. I will not buy another Lenovo product. I, I, it doesn't matter the platform, server, desktop, Chrome. I'm not buying another one. Um, so I agree to disagree with you. Yeah, and that that's something that we can discuss, definitely discuss. So, and that's be, with this being episode one, we didn't want to want to get into the weeds into any particular one topic too much. We want this podcast, or at least our idea for this podcast, is to be um, kind of just hitting the main topics, you know, security standpoint, what are you doing for training your, your teachers on that security mindset? You know, are you fishing your staff? And we've got straight great stories about fishing. I know I do. And I'm sure right. you do. And some friends or cohorts do as well. Um, yeah, what about passwords? They're just cohorts, Josh. They're not, they're not friends. Yeah. Right. No, we don't have any other friends. You're We're right. the only friends here. Um, so that, that's the idea with this podcast. And, and obviously we want feedback. Um, Chris, did you set up an email address for this? Nope. Uh, you want me to do, you want to talk for a few minutes and I'll set one up. Oh, sure. So what am I supposed to talk about? Uh, why don't you talk about our conference, Chris? Okay. So we are on the planning committee, uh, for, uh, MoTeC Talk. Josh mentioned that, uh, it's been rebranded to Midwest Tech Talk. Uh, we for sure know that Kansas is gonna show up or we're uh, really banking on Kansas showing up. We had some folks from Kansas come. Uh, so we're just trying to make sure that uh, uh, many people are attending that need it. Kansas doesn't have, uh, supposedly Kansas doesn't have a big tech conference uh, either. Uh, so that's July 13th through 14th uh, at the Lodge of Four Seasons, but then the actual conference being at Osage High School. Uh, that's that's that that conference where we did the battles thing. We smashed uh, Chromebooks, so maybe that's what we should do sometime. Josh is bringing some Lenovo Chromebooks. Give some. Well, tell the story about we we smashed some Chromebooks last year. I mean, we nothing happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, there may or may not be some YouTube videos that you can look up that show uh, maybe we hit a Chromebook with an axe. Uh, maybe there was some smoke uh, that came from the Chromebook. Uh, because you shouldn't uh, dip a Chromebook in water and hit it with an axe if there's a battery in it. Uh, maybe that happened. That's something else that would be cool to do on this show, Josh. Yeah, that's something uh, we would probably want to – well, that's a visual thing. That, that would be difficult to do audio-wise. You can um, describe it. Yeah, well, I can describe – yeah, never mind. Um, so – that that's the idea of of our conference, um, and we can go into that a little bit more in the future too. Um, I have created an email address, and I'll once Google stops spinning here. Uh, we want feedback, so if you enjoyed this inaugural podcast, podcast episode one, 
if you can believe it, of K-12 Tech Talk. Um, you can email us feedback or topic ideas, discussion points. If you want to be a guest on the show, we'll work out a way to get you on the show. Uh, if you're a sponsor out there and you want to send us Chromebooks or if you want us to advertise um, your company at the start of the show, we're happy to work out an agreement to make that advantageous for both of us, for both parties involved. Um, Mostly just us, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I mean, they could get customers depending on what our listenership's like. So, <coughs> excuse me. So our K-12, our email address is k12techtalk at gmail.com, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Um, email us there. We'll get back with you. Like I said, topics, sponsorship updates, or sponsorship requests, anything like that would be great. Um, we're going to work on getting this out to all of the main podcast feeds, be it iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We'll, we'll work on getting them all out there. Um, Chris, any, any closing words, any final words for our inaugural episode? We have about five minutes left. I don't think so, buddy. It was good talking to you today. <clears throat> you too. So next week, we'll, uh, we'll come up with something entertaining and, and uh, engaging to talk about and maybe have a guest or two on, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for joining. See you guys.